0: Our guest speaker today is one of our own, Dave Sabo. Dave has here, been here at New Song for a little over a year and a half. He's been a Christian for 27 years. Dave comes with a heart for men and a heart for God. And through his shape, he's developed, he knows what his shape is now. And, he, and part of that shape is being able to Proclaim God's word to everyone. Amen. And he's going to proclaim it to, to us today. So let's welcome Dave. Yeah, <laughs> <Woo>! Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. <laughs> yeah, I actually wrestled with whether or not I should say that when I first walked up here. So I appreciate that, Shannon. Actually, I think... This must have been fortuitous. Yeah. If I can remember how to turn it on. button at the bottom of the light. The base. Of the other light. Up here. There. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Won't he do it as my wife loves to say? So aloha. aloha, grateful to be here this morning with you. Um, so over the last several weeks, um, Pastor Herb's been talking to us about our Christian journey, right—the journey of life, and how we're, you know, we were born in a strange land, and we're trying to make our way home, right? And the individual was from, we're going from Patagonia to Pittsburgh. Okay, if you could. So, as you see here on the map, it just got me thinking, right? Because anytime I'm getting ready to do something, it's so helpful and even powerful to get a visual idea of actually what that means, right? So if you look at the map here, even up until preparing for this week, I didn't really even know where Patagonia was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be honest with you, so I got onto Google's, looked it up, and interestingly enough, you can see down there it's uh, that area, down there towards the southern end of South America. Go ahead, and keep. The the interesting fact is that though we have to we have if we're gonna walk this journey, we're actually gonna have to traverse through the Andes Mountain Range. Right? And so all of the discussions that we've been having leading up to this point on this journey, we've talked about all kinds of amazing things that we're going to experience, the challenges and things like that. But one thing, and I think maybe the Holy Spirit uh, or Herb in his infinite wisdom forgot to mention that we have to traverse through these mountains. So uh, what I'm hoping to be able to speak to you for, with speak about with you today is preparing for that climb. Because as on this imaginary journey that we're discussing, there's mountains that we're going to have to climb in our own day-to-day lives, right? We have mountains that we're going to have to face and travel through. Go ahead. So this is a, and I want to share with you how if you ever wonder whether or not God's present and working in your life and has a plan for your life, I want you to remember this picture. Okay. So just so happens, we're going to, we're talking about the journey from Patagonia to Pittsburgh, right? And it just so happens that on that journey, we're going to have to travel through the Andes mountains. And it just so happens that in 2019, August of 2019, Dave, I was sent to Santiago, or I was sent to Concepcion, Chile for work, okay? And that's a picture of the Andes Mountains that I took from the airport. So God was preparing me and had it in his plan that I would be speaking about this today, 2019, and I didn't even know what new song was. Like. That's, it's amazing now, now one of the cool things you're not, we can't zoom in on it, but um, at if you look at that middle that middle the one that's in the foreground, right up there at the top of that peak that Shannon's pointing at, there's actually a cross right up on top of that peak. so that I think that's pretty interesting too. So go ahead, Shannon. And you know again, we're talking about this journey. keep talking. Oh, we're, we're and, and Herb's saying that we're, you know, we're walking, right? We're not hopping in a car. We're not hopping on an airplane. So again, for the visual aspect, I wanted I figured, hey, let's look and see what this is. So I, I Google mapped how the, the path that we would have to walk from Concepcion, Chile, where I was at, to Pittsburgh. And just to give you a real quick view, you can see we've got to go all the way up that coast. And it. It says it's 1484 hours of walking continuously, right? But again, that's traversing through the mountains as well. So very daunting and and that's only a portion of that journey. And again, very significant thinking about that in our life, right? This journey or I like to call our Pilgrim's Progress. Anyone ever heard of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress? If you've never read it, I highly suggest that you read it. It it may be a challenge to read to some because it's written in older English, but it so accurately gives a picture of the challenges and the blessings that come with taking off on that journey to Christ and ultimately getting to heaven. So it is amazing. It's good, Shannon. Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves are we prepared to climb the mountains that we're going to face on that journey? All right? Looks like the llamas are even questioning whether or not we're ready. <laughs> okay, good. Now imagine you're, you're turning the corner of your life, you're turning the corner on this journey, and the highway looks just like this. And that actually is a highway that faces or goes towards the Andes Mountains, What's going through your mind when you see that? How am I going to do it? Yeah, how am I going to do it? I'll I'll throw this one out there too. Have again, you know, we're we're talking about the mountains that we're going to face in life. Have you ever had a life experience where you're going along, everything seems to be going perfectly fine, and you turn a corner and the next thing that you see there's this um massive blockage or this massive mountain in your way. And yet you have to stop and look at it. And you have no idea how you're going to do that. It seems impossible. And yet what we, the hope that we can have in, in following Christ is that he's going to help us with that. So that's what I want to talk about uh, today. You're going to have mountains in your life that you're going to have to climb. Maybe it's one big one. Maybe it's a lot of small ones. And I'll just promise you this. It's not just going to be one. There's going to be lots, right? I'll tell you a little bit. You'll see some of these pictures throughout the presentation. But one, so this gentleman right here climbing this rock is Alex Honold. I think I'm saying his name properly. Um, Very famous uh, rock climber. This picture is him climbing El Capitan in Yellowstone National Park. El Capitan is a 3,000 foot tall monolith. Out there in Yellowstone. And Alex is the first human being in history to ever climb this mountain or this rock face free solo. What free solo means there's no ropes, there's nobody there, you know, up on the top. He's not using any carabiners. He doesn't have a safety harness on. He's got his hands and his feet in a bag of chalk. And he climbed that mountain. What's, what's fascinating, there's a, there, they made a movie about it called Free Solo. I think, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I think National Geographic produced the movie. You can look it up on YouTube, tons of YouTube videos on it. That's how I got turned on to it. One of the fascinating things when Alex talks about this climb, when he describes it, and this is what, this is what pulled me in. He says that the day he climbed that mountain was the best day of his life. And during the climb of it, he felt no anxiety, no stress, no fear, no worry, but just confident, secure, being able to be present in the moment and enjoy the beauty of that moment. And, and as, he's telling, as he's talking about that, I couldn't help but be overwhelmed. But like, man, God, I want... I want to have that same type of experience in my walk with you and in my life, right? And I, I think each of us can feel some kind of longing of wanting something like that. So you'll see multiple pictures of Alex and stuff throughout the today, And I just want to kind of give you a breakdown. So these mountains can be, they can seem insurmountable. Breathtakingly to view, beautiful to see. But to think that you are going to go up there can can seem impossible. Right? I'm I'm on a mountain, I'm facing a mountain right now. Being up here to, to speaking the new song. Never never would have considered that. Okay? And yet, through God's strength, He's helping me climb this mountain. So you know, so it's awesome. Go ahead to the next one, please. We talked about this. Some of you we have already climbed some mountains. The, the question that I want to pose or the thought I want to bring up is sometimes when we get to those spaces and we see that mountain, it can seem as if it, we can't do it. And we can, if, if we're not going to apply the principles that we're going to talk about today, we can stop. We'll stop and we'll stay right there and we'll either camp out right there or we'll see it as too hard, too difficult, too discouraging, and we're going to turn around and go back the way we came. And for us as Christians, we'll go back to our old way of life. Okay? So hopefully the, what we talk about today is going to help you. In Matthew 19, 26, Jesus says, But Jesus looked at them, and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are impossible. I think that's a foundational scripture for us in beginning to consider and think about this idea. Again, whatever mountain that you're climbing, whatever thing that you feel is impossible to overcome, right? Maybe there's a battle that you've been fighting that no one else knows about. Maybe there's a trauma that you experienced as a child, and you don't think that it can ever be healed. Maybe it's a wound that you have or a sickness that you have that the doctors say it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Let's go to one. It, it's critical, though, that we keep that in mind, right? A lot of times we try to climb these mountains or go on these journeys in our own strength, we try to do it in ourselves. And we can only, but but we only end up making it so far, or we get tired, or we get scared, or we even we even fall, and we get discouraged. But it's because we're trying to do it in our own strength or with what uh, the fair weather friends and people or the culture tells us what you need to do. And we'll talk about some of those things as well. And like I said. A lot of times we end up falling, and the the reality of this is: if we attempt this Christian journey, okay, if we attempt to follow Christ with the intention that we're going to get to heaven, and we try to do it on our own, we are going to fail. And if you see Alex right there climbing through that crack, what's going to happen to Alex if he falls right there? He's not—he's not made out of rubber. He ain't going to bounce. Okay? And I, I know for my own life, I've experienced some of those falls. And I felt like it was over. And I'm sure maybe some of you have felt those too. Again, remember our title of scripture with God, all things are possible. Okay? So, to navigate these mountain ranges that we're going to go to um, and praying through it, God revealed to me four biblical principles that we're going to discuss today. So if you, apply, if you go ahead and apply these principles to your life, you will be able to face and climb these mountains that, that are along our journey, and you're going to finish. Amen. You will finish strong. Okay, amen. So let's go ahead. Principle number one, go ahead and turn your Bibles. Oh, I forgot to ask. Does anyone here need a Bible? If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Handsome Pete will bring it to you. So if you turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. If you remember, this is a scripture that we um, just read here a little bit ago. I didn't even know that that was in there. Um, So prepare for the journey. Okay, prepare for the journey. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God, and that that man of God thing there is is plural. It, it it, It involves men and women together, you know, man that God created. Okay, so ladies, you're included in there. So that the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. What this, what this verse is basically telling us is that here we got this seemingly unsurmountable journey, hills and valleys in our path, difficulties. We feel unprepared. We don't even know where we're going because on, on there, we're not going to have the Google Maps, right? How much cell service do you think you're going to have down there? Right? You're not going to have that. So how do we know where to go? The Bible, God's word, is going to be our map. So that's one of the most foundational things in order to prepare, right? If we want to know what we're going to face, um, what things to avoid, what paths to go, we need to use that Bible as our map. Remember the scripture that says, uh, the road to hell is like a highway and the path to God is a narrow, narrow way. Stay on a narrow path. That was a a Sabo paraphrase for sure, (laughs) right? But it's so true. Right. A lot of times when we're going through this life, the crowd and everybody else is in the hammer lane and they're bugging on down the road. We're not on the highway. We're on the little side roads. Right. But that's the path that we need to stay on. Sometimes that path gets narrow. Sometimes it is very hard. Sometimes only two or three people can be be together. Sometimes you're by yourself and it's front to back. Right. Right. All right. So go ahead to the next one, please. Um, and it's important if God's Word is our map, we're going to need to go to that on a day-to-day basis to make sure that we're staying on track. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so a lot of you know I was in the, I was in the Navy Seabees. Navy Seabees. We don't go on ships. Okay, so it's a different kind of Navy. We're in the field. I wore fatigues. We worked with the Marines, and we're out in the field. And uh, during one of, one of our training things, we had to do a land navigation course, okay, which involved you got a little uh, map, and then you, they gave you coordinate points, you know, that you had to follow. And the only way you could do that was by using a compass, Right, so you would have to get a line of sight, go a direction, use your pacings and things like that, and then continuously check from time to time to make sure that you stayed on course. Um, I didn't do very well in land (laughs) nav. I had a hard time. There's a couple times I got lost and I I spent some time uh, really struggling to figure out where I was going and got ribbed a lot when I got to where I was at. But it's important that it's a daily practice in this preparation that we are going back to the word to find out what direction that we're going. All right, so this, uh, this is 2 Corinthians 13, 5 through 9. And this, I put this in here. This is out of the message translation. The message translation is a paraphrase version of the scripture. It's something that, you know, I, I really love this version. I'm not a, you know, only read this Bible, only read that Bible kind of guy. But I love this verse in this context. Test yourself to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. I hope the test won't show that we've failed. But if it comes to that, we'd rather the test showed our failure than yours. We're rooting for the truth to win out in you. We couldn't possibly do otherwise. We don't just put up with our limitations. We celebrate them and then go on to celebrate every strength, every triumph of the truth in you. We pray hard that it will all come together in your life. So, and as we're spending that time in preparation for your day, for the struggles that you're going through, for the life that, that God's opening up before you, spending that time in the Word is going to, you're going to be able to see, okay, where am I at? Oh, I need to make an adjustment here. right? And it's, in, it's so imperative to do that. If you get one degree off of your course. Okay. And you go 10 miles. You can be 30 miles in the wrong direction. And how do you think you're going to feel when you come to that realization and you look back at how far you're off track? Are you going to go, Oh, okay. I just get to get some more exercise. No, you're not going to feel that way. You're going to feel defeated you're going to feel like you probably never should have even started on a journey in the first place. And our enemy loves planting those kind of, and watering them, and shouting them, okay? So it's important to stay in God's Word. So that's principle number one in the preparation. Let's go over to principle number two, and, which is training. We're going to need to train. Okay? Some of you that know me know I like to exercise and work out and train and do all these other things. And hopefully one of these days, all that training and exercise is going to show like I do. (laughs) Uh, But this amazing scripture here, Psalm 144, uh, verse one of David, blessed be the Lord, my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Love that scripture, right? it just made me think of the climbing, right, of this mountain and how difficult and challenging that it is. So here you see another picture of Alex. Again, you see no ropes and, you know, you you can kind of just visualize how he's hanging on there and what kind of strength that it takes to do that, right? God's going to train us through time. The interesting thing about this young man, excuse me, he's probably not a young man so much anymore. We're actually probably closer in age, but I tend to forget how, how old I am or how young I am. Thank you, love. So, this is what was fascinating to me about Alex's journey. So, he's, he's been climbing as a hobby and as something that he loved for like 20 some years, okay? All the time. So it's not, it wasn't just a thing that he would go out on Saturday and do, right? Like, uh, I went on a camping trip with some brothers probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago. It was like a brother camping thing. And one, you know, a couple of guys brought their mountain bikes or road bikes. And, you know, we're out at Ohio Pile. And it's like, hey, who wants to go on a bike ride? Well, I don't, I don't ride a bike. I don't have a bike. Okay. But you can rent a bike down in town. So I thought, Hey, I want to go with these guys. So I go down into town. I rent a mountain bike for like 40 bucks or something like that. It looks really cool. Slick little mountain bike. I put my pack on and I'm trying to be Johnny on the spot and be prepared. So I got a med kit in there. I got five liters of water in there. I got some snacks. And then again, I think we're only going to take a couple mile ride and we're riding on this little trail to high right up and down by the river. It's super cool. And it's a group of us, probably like five or six guys. And again, three or four of these guys ride their bikes as a habit. Okay? And this is what they do all the time. Sabo doesn't ride bikes. <laughs> all right? I had my compact boots on. I had a pair of jean shorts on. And, you know, we start riding. I'm asking the guys, like, hey, how far How far does this go? How far are we going? It's pretty cool. It's beautiful. Oh yeah. God's good. This is awesome. And the brother, the brother that was leading the pack, he didn't, he was from Maryland. So he, it was my first time meeting him. He's like, all this uh, makes a circle and just comes back to the parking lot. That's like, okay, worst case scenario. It's five miles, right? <laughs> in, in my mind, so I'm riding and we just continue to ride and continue to ride. You know, stop and take a break. It's like, oh, yeah, look at this. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And I'm starting to get pretty fatigued. Starting not to feel very comfortable sitting on a bike seat. And I ask, hey, how how far are we going again? Oh, man, just don't worry about it. just makes a circle. You're a big, tough guy. You're, you're the toughest guy out here. Davis. it's no problem. This is nothing for you. So we keep riding. Now, as I was continued told this fib, right, started to become realization that this, this guy's not being truthful with me, um, and I, I'm paying attention to the terrain, and it's very obvious that we're not making a circle, so now I'm preparing myself that I don't give in to my desires and come back from this bike ride by myself, <laughs> Uh, and there's some brothers that they end up having to go look for because without Christ, that's where I go. So finally, we just keep riding, and those guys are way ahead of me, and I'm dragging, and I'm barely hanging on, and not, now I'm just praying that I don't die. Right. <laughs> finally, this brother stops in the middle of the road, so I figure they're waiting on me. We, they stop, and I catch up to him. and he goes, All right, guys, it's time to turn around. We're done. I was like, uh, Sorry, excuse me. What do you mean, turn around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, well, my goal was for us to do 20 miles. This is the 10-mile mark. Now we got to go back the other way. Now, three of the other brothers in that pack knew me very well. The brother whose idea this was didn't know me at all. They saw and felt <laughs> uh, what I was feeling, and they immediately took off. <laughs> <laughs> and this other brother's like, hey, man, so uh, you good? I was like, no, man, I'm not good. You lied to me. Oh, man, that's just a good little rib. You're fine. You're young. You're blah, blah, blah. I said, brother, get away from me. Because <laughs> I have to go to a really, really deep, dark place in my mind to finish this route. Um, so it can be sometimes that sometimes what we're doing, we may not have necessarily trained for if I would have known that I was going to be riding bikes, or if it was a habit of mine, that bike ride wouldn't have been nothing, and maybe I could have enjoyed it. Also, if the brother would have been honest about what we were doing, I probably would have said, yeah, I'm not going to go on the bike ride. I'm going to, I'm going to go do push-ups, because <laughs> that's something that I'm really good at. So that training is essential uh, in our life. So... Let's uh, go ahead and look at the next scripture, 1 Timothy 4, 7-8. through 8. Have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I love this verse. Because, again, Bible being our map and our guide and showing us which way to go and how to do it, I think it's very valuable. In our world today, so for example, I'm not—I did not go to college, right? I don't have an education past high school. Lord, bless the fact that I graduated high school. I don't know how I did, but I did, right? Um. But right now, with technology, advancement, and access to things, you have all of the knowledge and books and wisdom and, anything, and everything that men have discerned throughout recorded history right at your fingertips. So you can learn anything that you want to learn. Okay? My father is back here, uh, the, the original Dave Sabo. All right? My father is a master mechanic, okay? Can fix anything and everything. And if you don't know how to get something done, just holler at him and, and he'll help you figure it out. I'm not as masterful as a mechanic as my dad, Right? And there's been many projects that I have attempted to fix on our cars or our vehicles out of necessity because I can't take it to a shop and pay them $8,000 to fix a $3,000 car Right, I'd go to YouTube, look up the videos, and there's a guy, some amazing person, had the forethought and, and the intention. They go through and actually show me how to do it step by step. Right, um, my family or our family is originally from Hungary. I didn't grow up speaking Hungarian. I can go on the internet, buy a subscription, and somebody's going to teach me how to speak my mother tongue. Okay, we're inundated. And then on, on top of that, we're inundated with all of this knowledge. We're inundated with stuff, people telling us, hey, just do it. I remember when I was a kid, uh, lo- I loved basketball, right? Michael Jordan was the best basketball player ever, right? I still think he's the best basketball player ever. But, um, what, was his, what was his slogan? What was the slogan? Anybody remember the commercials? Just be like Mike. Be like him. Yeah. Guess who ate Wheaties with the, the, the Michael Jordan on the cover? I did, right? Didn't make me any better at playing basketball. That's just one of those examples. Um, the world tells, you know, we're, we're told, hey, you're overweight. Do these exercises, take this pill, and you'll be better. It only costs you $49.95 a month, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're struggling with depression. You're struggling with your own value, who you're struggling with your identity. Hey, read this book, do this thing, and you'll fix yourself. And it's all stuff that other men have created to try to tell you how to be. And I'll tell you, from going down some of those paths in my search for truth, in my search for the way, I've been, I was very disappointed. Because if it comes from a man or a woman, it's their idea, and you implement that, it's only going to get you so far. So it's important what you're training yourself with. So again, that's why it's valuable point going back to number one and preparing. What is the Bible? It's our map, right? So it's our guide. So if I get a piece of information over here and you, you know, this person tells me, hey, well, oh, yeah, you want to fix that? Oh, yeah, you got to do this. Oh, OK, cool. Thank you. I go back and check it does this line up? Is this what God's telling me to do? All right. All right, let's go on to the next uh, verse here. Uh, John 16, 33. Excuse me. And I love this. Again, Jesus's words. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So part of the training too is knowing you're gonna you're gonna be taught what you're going to be going through. One of, uh, and one one of the qualities I admire about Christ is that he was so real and so uh, so real and so upfront. Okay. In religion, we're not we don't always get that in religion. Right? There's a popular popular belief in you know Christianity. You maybe turn on TV and you listen to some preacher on TV, and I'm not trying to meddle. Well, How does Herb say that? Meddling? All right, I'm not getting on a soapbox or meddling. But you can turn on TV right now, and there's some religious guy on there saying, hey, pray this prayer and your life will be fixed. Send me $45 a month. I'll send a rag to you, and you'll be fixed. It's all that kind of stuff. Jesus is uh, what we call in the, the um, you'll see some acronyms today. I'm real big on acronyms coming from the military. We call bluff BLUFF. Right? Give a note to someone, you, you're giving directions to someone, we, we say to give it a bluff. Bottom line up front. And that's how Jesus is. Jesus tells it very clearly right here. Okay, Follow me but be aware. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. And a lot of times when, when we think about Having a relationship with God or Jesus, you know, we have a problem. Like we're coming to God because we're struggling. We're coming to God because we're sick. We're coming to God because we're hurt. And we want that immediate problem fixed. Sometimes it gets fixed. Mm -hmm. But then we don't think about what's coming next. And we have this false expectation that God's word does not give us. We have this false expectation that, oh, if I come to church, if I go to Jesus, everything in my life is going to be perfect. Everything that I want is going to happen. I'm going to start coming to church, and I'm going to get that tall, dark, handsome pastor, doctor to be my husband, and he's going to lead me to Jesus and lead me to heaven. That was Victoria Sabo's <laughs> uh, hope and vision of the kind of man of God that he was going to give her. She got me. Okay? Do it. <laughs> That's right. And, and even in that, there's been trials and tribulations. Okay? So I love Christ telling us right here, yes, come follow me, but be aware. It's not going to be easy. However, take heart, (laughs) however, take heart, I have overcome the world. One of the things I I love about Jesus, and this is what makes, this is the difference between religion and relationship. Because a lot of us grew up, we were exposed to religiosity. And I don't know about for you, but for me, I, that was not appealing to me and I didn't want anything to do with it. Amen. I grew up going to church. Yeah. Uh, my grandma, was, my grandma was taking me, my mom was taking me, all these things. And the men that I saw in the church were not men that I wanted to be like. Wow. You know, I'd see some guy are soft, squishy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's as far as I'm going to go. Like, I don't want to get to. <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't masculine or manly men. Long fingernails, soft hands. I don't want to grow up and be like that. I want to grow up and be like my dad—strong, yeah. oh, hard hands, tough. Right? Well, those, ironically enough, those are all things that Jesus was. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't seeing that. So the religiosity turned me off from our relationship with God. And that's what's awesome about continuing to be on that search and looking in God's Word. He is going to guide you to the right steps. Amen. He's going to guide you to the right place. Mm-hmm. Well, Victoria and I are so thankful and grateful to be here at New Song. If you had told me two years ago I'd be here, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't. I'd would I'd would have been shocked. And yet, in His infinite wisdom and intentionality, He has us here, mm-hmm. right? Continuing in that training. Mm-hmm. So, don't allow the facts that you're going to have these tribulations and that we know that we're going to have to traverse these mountains. And you literally may. You may be in a situation right now in your heart and in your life where you feel exactly like what Alex is doing right there. You know that climb? See you hanging up there? Except instead of being confident and secure, you're absolutely terrified and you're freaking out because you know you're not going to be able to hang on and you don't know where to put your next handhold and you don't know what's going to happen. Take security and confidence in knowing that Christ has already overcome those challenges. The the definer between religiosity or religion and relationship as far as Christ is, we're not following somebody who's selling us a bill of goods, okay? Jesus struggled, suffered through every temptation that any man or woman could possibly struggle with during his tenure here on earth. And sinned not, okay? So there's nothing that you're going to be going through that Jesus cannot relate to. That Jesus cannot empathize with, and that, most importantly, that Jesus cannot give you the strength and the power to overcome. But you have to align yourself with Him. Okay? Amen. All right, principle number three hold on for your life. Hold on for your life. This is a close up shot of one of the handholds that Alex used to make one of his transitions. I don't know about you, but that doesn't look very much like a handhold to me. And that's a common thing. I've watched a ton of videos of these guys doing this stuff. They, they, it, it just boggles my mind. So my question to you is, when times get hard, when life gets tough, when these challenges come at you, what are you grabbing a hold of? What do you hold on to? What's your go-to? Stressor comes. Stressor comes. What do you do? Do you go get a cupcake? Do you grab a cigarette? Do you uh, grab a drink? Do you turn on the TV? You get distracted, what, what, what is it? And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm meddling a little bit there, but I'm not in an accusatory way. I'm, I'm meddling because these have been my experiences. Okay? These are mountains that I've had to climb. 2016, November of 2016 was the last time I had a drink of alcohol. Okay? To God be the glory. But fifteen years leading up to that, and it you know it was progressive. My go-to for stress, anxiety, fear, worry, courage, strength, insight, whatever, was alcohol. So, and it started off slowly, oh, my back hurts. You know, I, I worked construction for many years, climbing up and down on cranes, very stressful job being a crane operator, I don't know if anybody knows that. Super duper stressful, you can kill somebody. If you don't eat just one little lack of attention, you can you not just kill one person, you can kill 100 people, right? Uh, millions of dollars worth of equipment that you're in charge of, all that kind of stuff. So, oh, but for 15 years, and and this is as a Christian, this is as a believer. Mm -hmm. Instead of going to Christ or God's word, I would have a drink. And slowly progressed to being to the point where I realized that I could not quit when I realized it was a problem and I had to quit. I couldn't quit. I couldn't. Struggling, end of my rope. There's uh, Psalm 19 uh, is a great uh, scripture that I hold on to a lot. And it's just, you know, when I was at the end of my rope, God came to me. While well, I was at the end of my rope that November day in 2016, and tried to take my life because I felt that I was ruining my wife's life, I was ruining my children's life. The whole world would be better off without me, and that I was a mistake. Okay. And I I never thought I would be in a space like that. I was like, all right, God, I'm done, man. And in that moment, God was there with me. Amen. I called out to every I called out three or four people trying to, you know, get some help. Hey buddy, can you help? No one answered the phone. God put me in that moment in that space. Particularly so I had nowhere else to go but to him. Okay? Overcoming that addiction seemed an unclimbable mountain in my life. And yet, here it is. What year is it? 2023? Yeah. And I'm done with it. I don't have even have a desire for it. I don't long for it. I don't anything. Maybe every now and then, you know, working out in the yard, it's a hot day. I think, wow, man, it'd be really nice to have a cold beer. But then I go to my refrigerator and I pull out uh, what are my cold beers now, thanks to my dear friend Brandy, which is a Pellegrino water with some uh, lemon juice in it. Nice and crispy and cold, oh man, it's amazing. It's my favorite thing to drink. So I want you to think about what things that you're holding to in your life. What's your go-to thing when you face these challenges? Let's go to the next one, please. John 14, 6, again, here is Jesus talking to us. So do you think there's, some, there's a common theme here going on? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're going to hold on to something, and you're going to need to use something to hold on to, to make this climb, to traverse that Gully, you're going to need to hold on to or step onto something. If my advice to you, my encouragement to you is to seek out the truth and hold on to and step onto that truth. Okay? Now, again, picture's worth a thousand words. Now, you see, he's holding on to that mountainside like this. He didn't fall. Sometimes God's truth, sometimes that scripture that you're holding on to may feel like that. Okay? Just know that it is a secure grip. If he would have stuck his hands anywhere else, he would have fallen to his death. Hold on to the truth. Seek out the truth. And the holding on to that, holding on to truth is really obedience. That's really what it comes down yep. to. All right. And again, the scripture is very clear on this as well. If you want to follow God, you got to go by those. Holding on to truth is obedience. There are certain things that God says I can't do as a man of God. I need to be pure in thought, pure in action. Right. Obeying God, finding it in the scriptures. What, what that is and obeying it and living that out is holding on and it's going to help me continue making that climb. Yep. Not obeying, doing what you want to do. You're trying to make your own path up the mountain. And um, I don't think you're going to make it. And I'm not saying that from an arrogant standpoint. I'm saying that from my own life. I struggled with alcohol for 15 years. You think I didn't read some books? You think I didn't talk to people? You think I didn't see counselors? There's tons of programs out there to how you can fix yourself using worldly men's wisdom. And again, they'll work for a little bit. There's times I made it three weeks. I was feeling great. I hang out with the guys. Hey, come on, Sabo, have a beer. It's all good. Nobody likes a quitter. Jesus drank wine. I was right back at it. It wasn't until I held on to God's truth in obedience that I made it over. Okay? And you can make it over. Let's go to the next scripture, Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Romans 12 goes on to talk about us being a living sacrifice. That's that's what I have tattooed right here. Right? That's how important it is to me. But allowing our minds, the way we think, the way we approach things Mm -hmm. to be renewed by Christ, that's what's going to transform you. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard. It's so hard because it's way easier. To just fit in. Like everybody else. They go out. Last three years has been absolutely bonkers. Right? Yep. Culturally. Yep. And in the country. I've seen family members turn on one another. I've seen lifelong friends cut off relationships and have nothing to do with them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's all the various things, right? There's all kinds, you know, pick your hot topic button thing to push. You know, just go out there in the parking lot and say something out loud and somebody's going to be offended by it and they're going to come and they're going to try to cancel you. Okay? And it's so hard because the reality of it, as much of a loner, like some some of you guys think you're loners. Like, ah, myself, I'm a road dog. I don't need nobody. (laughs) I know for a fact that you're lying. (laughs) Because in our human nature, we want... To belong. Yeah. That's, that's something that God instilled in us. It's in your DNA because he put it there. right? right? We want to be alo- belong. We want to be liked. We want to be with everybody else. Having our mind transformed and not conforming to everyone else is no easy task. It's no easy task. Again, you're going to have to go back to the word to discern what those things are, to make sure that, hey, this whole crowd of people just took off going that way. But, uh, let me ask you this. If, <laughs> if somebody jumped up right now, if one of you guys jumped up and took off running out of the room, what would you do? It's instinctive because that's what you think. You think you're supposed to go where everybody else is going. Okay? Allow God's word through your study, through your devotion, and your understanding to change the way that you think about how to approach a certain thing. A really simple example in in my life is approaching my relationship with my wife from biblical principles has entirely changed our relationship. Now, God 100% gets all the credit for my relationship with Victoria. We've been married 22 years. All God's glory. And, and she is a saint. If you don't know that she is already, she is because she's married me. I have drugged her all over the world. She, We've sold everything or given it away and started over from nothing four separate times. Um rebuild, you know, you leave a job that you've been established at and then have to go start over, be the new kid again, done that to my kids. But her applying the biblical principles of marriage in her life helped her to do that, and me applying the biblical principles in my relationship with her has helped helped that to be. For example, in Ephesians 5, it basically says that as a husband you need to die. Did you know that? <laughs> Does that means I don't get what I want. Are you serious? I thought, I, like, I do this, you do that. No, it's not transactional. It's funny, our, our relationship with God isn't even transactional either. It's not, oh, hey, God, I'm going to follow you. Now you're going to pay all my bills off. Or God, I'm going to follow you and you're going to heal this um, malady that I've been struggling with all these years oh God, I'm going to follow you and you're going to make this family member who irritates me and is agonizing to deal with, you're going to make them die and go away. (laughs) Pick your thing, right? So allow God's word to renew your mind. And then the other thing I want to talk about too, let's go to the next one. We're talking about holding on and being in that precarious position Yes, you're in that climbing and precarious position. You're going to have to remain in the moment. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to pay attention. So uh, I told you guys I'm big on acronyms. So MTM is one of my acronyms. Moment to moment. Okay, so since that day in November of 2016, where God met me in that moment... Told me that I he wanted me and that I was his son and that I needed to live because he had things for me to do. I have lived my life every moment. I wasn't thrilled. You know, I was like when Herb asked me to come up here and speak, I'm like, bro, are you serious? <laughs> like I'm already stretching myself getting up here to sing. <laughs> Hey, you know, Tom turns my mic down. I so. I'm literally just here for looks. It's like, so, so it's like, you know, well, we got a couple guys up there. Yeah. Moment to moment. And this is the beauty of this. I, I don't need to figure out what's going to happen down there. I don't need to figure out what step 26 is. Right here is where I'm at. That's where I'm going to grab a hold of. Faith. In faith, knowing that Christ is going to provide the next handhold. And that He's going to bridge the gap to that next thing. Moment to moment. This climbing through these mountains. And whatever you're facing in life. This struggle that you feel is insurmountable and that you can't overcome. And everybody has one of those. Maybe you've been a Christian for 60 years and there's that one little nagging thing that's just continued to be your thorn in your side. And you've just said, well, maybe it's a thorn in my side like Paul had. Maybe it is. I'm not saying it isn't. But maybe you just haven't let God have it yet. Maybe you're too focused on how you feel. Maybe you're too focused on trying to figure it out your way instead of submitting and saying, hey, God, this, that's a really teeny tiny thing for me to grab a hold of. But amen, I'm going to grab a hold of it and I'm going to hold on for my life. Okay? Now, and you imagine if you could pop back to the previous slide real quick. Uh, What's the next one where he's hanging on? Well, it don't matter. Go back and just keep, keep where we're at. You guys got the visual of him hanging on there. Right now, where the moment to moment thing helps us, right, and it's holding on, and we're holding on to God's truth, and we're allowing God to change how we think and guide our steps. The holding on moment to moment thing actually also helps us to not be overcome and overwhelmed by fear. So, I was telling you guys about how Alex. Uh, climbed that thing. It was his goal to climb that that El Capitan for ten years. It was a dream. Okay, it's a dream. But he didn't just have it as a dream and look at pictures of El Capitan. He didn't just have it as a dream and tell his friends like, "Oh yeah, you know, one of these days I'm going to do that." Okay, he practiced. He's, he climbed El Capitan, the route that he ended up climbing that day, over 50 times with, with ropes before he ever attempted it in person. Okay? Over and over again. And he even says that he actually, so what he would do, he would go up to the top, he would tie off, and he would rappel down. And then he would examine the best route for him to go. And then he would practice the sequence of holds that he needed to do and, to, and then memorize them, okay? And then his training that he would do at home, so his physical training that he would do, all revolved around being able to complete those moves without being fatigued. There's, one, there's this one move, he says it was like a karate kick or a taekwondo kick, where he, you know, he's hanging on like this, and he literally has to kick his leg out to get it up on another wall, right? And then be able to hop over. And it's like, I don't know, halfway up the thing. And so, in his daily routines of his stretches, he would do the stretch so that he could effortlessly throw his leg up there. Again, 10 years preparing for that. Right? So, it's important for us to to take that into consideration. And then when it comes to the fear again, that practice, do you think... How fearful do you think he was knowing that he had practiced all those things and done all those things in that moment? He wasn't fearful at all. He actually says it was the best day of his life. He says he has no fear at all during that climb. And he was free, and he was happy, and it was fun. And he was able to enjoy the scenery, see see even the intricate beauties in the the, uh, stone as he was making the climb. Fear... Can overwhelm us. Fear can stop us. I got an acronym for fear too, and maybe you've seen this other places. This isn't mine, right? But you can look at fear in two different ways. Forget everything and run, or face everything and rise. See, with Christ as our guide, and God's word as our map, and our Way that we think about things being renewed and changed, we can face everything and continue going up. Maybe that's just going up that mountain, but ultimately, where are we headed? Ultimately, we're headed to be with Him and be with Him forever. All right, let's go to the principle number four. We're kind of bringing it, bringing it on the home stretch. Principle number four, the Holy Spirit is our guide, and our fellow travelers are our tribe. Remember, when Herb first started talking about this, we're strangers in a strange land. We want to go home, and this old grizzled man comes out and says, Hey, I'll guide you. I know the way. I've been there before. I'll take you. We'll go get you... Uh, what's, what do you guys love to eat here in Pittsburgh? Pierogi. Pierogi. Yeah, we'll get some pierogies. I know where the best pierogies are. Right? Sorry, I'm not a Yinzer. Right? <laughs> I'm not. I like Pittsburgh Dad. He's pretty funny. but, um, but that that whole, the Holy Spirit is going to guide us along that journey. And we're also going to be having fellow travelers with us. Okay? So let's unpack that a little bit. The reality of it is we know that we can't we can't do this by ourselves. Right? can't do it by ourselves. We're going to need some help. I may need some extra supplies. I may run out of stuff. I'm, I may run out of strength and you might need to help me, All right? We're doing projects here at the church. I always know that Russ is going to call me. <laughs> now, Russ doesn't call me because I'm a skilled tradesman. <laughs> Russ still thinks I don't know how to use a tape measure because <laughs> every time we do a project, he's like, hey, you know how to use that thing? I just go sure. I get a I get a new tape measure class every time we do a project. Russ, Russ calls me because I'm strong, and he knows that I can help carry the big. So I I just literally come here to pick up heavy things. So you know you know other you know before today people come in and you know introduce themselves like oh hey Dave what do you do here I just pick up heavy stuff. <laughs> just pick up heavy things. That's that's my job. That's all I do. Right. So let's unpack the, 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 the partnerships that we're going to have along this journey, right? So Jesus, let's look at uh, Matthew 28, verse 20. Before Jesus left this earth, he said the following words. Again, common theme here, right? How many times has Jesus spoken to us directly today? Isn't that pretty fascinating? I didn't even think about that until till I got up here. Matthew 28, verse 20. Before Jesus left the earth, he spoke the following words to his disciples. And behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. So, again, this goes back to like holding on to some of these fundamental truths, too. If you've chosen Christ and you're on your way home to heaven, you're trying to follow him, he's with you all the time. Sometimes we forget that he's there. to keep reminding myself that Jesus was with me when I was getting ready to come up here to speak today. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not coming up here to say anything that I have to say. I don't have an agenda. I just want to say what God has to say and get out of the way. How Herb says it, I'm just a pipe. I just want to be a pipe. Right? Knowing that Jesus is right there by my side at all times, that's a truth. Religion has skewed that, what that looks like. The world and the enemy has tried to confuse what that looks like and, you know, make it even sound crazy. Yep. Oh, yeah, Jesus is right beside you. Oh, yeah, what's he look like? I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I know he's right here with me. Amen. I've seen him working too much. If you know me, like know me, know me, it's 100% obvious to you that Jesus Christ is real <laughs> because I wouldn't be up here speaking if he wasn't. Right? So know that Jesus is with you all the time. Every situation. Now this is something that we can struggle with sometimes. If Jesus is with me all the time and is always there, then why didn't he step in and do something in that traumatic experience that you had that day? That can be something that's a stumbling block or a mountain for some of us to climb. All right? Some we have trauma. We have challenges in life. And that can be something to un, that, that's hard to unpack. I don't have an easy answer for that other than I can share my testimony and go to the scriptures and show that God works through all those situations. I experienced all kind of trauma through my childhood, through my adult life. And God used every single one of those situations to mold me and shape me into the man that you see before you today. And continues to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if anything, I got, t- I got tons of stories. <laughs> we <could> t- <laughs> you guys talk to me. I got a story for everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm 46 years old. I've lived four men's lives already. I'm on number five, <laughs> and this one seems to be the best one yet. Amen. Right. So remember, Jesus is with you at all times, and with that too, also remember. That whatever that, that challenge or that what's, you're going to face up ahead, Jesus knows what that is and he's walked that road. Amen. You're not by yourself. Uh, verse Hebrews 4, 15-16, and this reiterates that point. That Jesus has, has, understands the struggles that we're going to have. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Going, going along with Jesus as our guide can give us confidence and courage and peace. Read verse I'll give you pe- the peace that passes understanding. I always wondered what that was. As I've let go of more things and held on more to God's truth and allowed the Holy Spirit and Jesus to guide me along that journey, more and more of that peace has been revealed to me. Now I look forward to even more of it. Now, the next thing that we have, because we talked about the Holy Spirit, it's going to be our guide. So we have the Holy Spirit with us, Jesus with us, and then we have our fellow travelers or your tribe. I use tribe selfishly for myself. Um, Some of you guys know I've been involved with this ministry called Men's Alliance. Um, And we, we have a tribe, right? And it's a really cool idea because it just means that you're not alone. And as men in our world, one of our biggest struggles that we have as men is isolation right? Where God's given us this ability to lead and to stand out in front and to be tough and to bear with and all these things, but as we've applied those things in our culture and in our personal lives, we tend to think that we're all by ourselves. So I love this tribe idea. And so that fellow traveler, that person beside you, that can be your spouse, should be your spouse actually, if you're a believer, okay? That could be your church family, that could be a friend, that could be a neighbor, whatever that is. My question is, the, are the people within your circle of influence, right, are those people that you're around, that's congregated around you or are going along the, the journey with you, do they have the same final destination goal as you? Right, that's something to think about. Um, and that can be a challenging thing. Maybe our spouse isn't a believer, right? And that makes a challenge. Well, you still need to follow Christ and trust that Christ is going to guide that, and you shining your light is going to inspire them, right? But I'm not. So I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about the people that you're around, the people that you allow influence you, the people that you listen to. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you you're watching the news. Right, and you know this particular talking head says you need to be like this and you need to do like that. Well, before you go ahead and buy into what that person's saying, are they on the same mission that you are on? Mm-hmm. Think about that. Right. I always i have always told my kids, you know, be careful who you allow, who your circle is. I have a small circle of influence in my life. Hey, I know a lot of people. I've lived all over the world. But I have a very small circle of influence, like really small. Like my best friend in the entire world is sitting right there, Ron Bogan. Maybe you, maybe you're like, "Oh, that's him because I talk about him all the time. <laughs> right When him and I spend time together, when he says something to me, I know that I know that, it's, I know that it's, it's solid. I know that it's there, but I know that because he has the same final destination and goal that I have. We're struggling along that journey together, right? I know that when I come here to New Song, that I can trust and relax and know that my brothers and sisters in here are also on that same journey. And we're helping one another out. I just can't help but talk about uh, Wednesday night, what an amazing night mm-hmm. of, of a prayer meeting, Randy. Randy mentioned it earlier. I've been a Christian for 27 years, and I have been. I never experienced anything like Wednesday night prior to it. Oh, mm-hmm. I was amazed, not from any kind of hoopy doopy stuff, mm-hmm. right? wasn't any of that stuff. The love and concern that each of you showed, either physically by being here or even you know the ones that weren't able to be here physically but were on the Zoom call, mm-hmm. it was palpable. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was coming back from Chambersburg. yes, thank you, I forgot. <laughs> I was coming back from Chambersburg for work. And so, you know, we started at 7, and I was not going to get here until like 8.30, so I was screaming trying to get here, right? And it was even a temptation for me, like, well, you know, it's really not a big deal. They don't need me there. I'm, I, was on, I was on the Zoom call as I was driving. You know, who am I? I'm not a big deal. I don't need to be here. But as I was listening to the call and listening to the prayers, what we did, those of you that weren't here, what we did, we... we Circled up and prayed for one another. Sat in a chair, was anointing. Uh, Pastor Herb would anoint, stick our hands on one another, and pray. Prayers for healing, prayer. People were sitting in the chair and and getting prayed over for other people. And then there were some sisters that took it upon themselves to start grabbing people that didn't even feel like they needed prayed for, like, hey, you need to sit in a chair. (laughs) Right? As soon as I saw Sharon and Candace starting doing that, I went ahead and sat in a chair on my own will because I didn't (laughs) want nobody telling me to do that. But it was palpable to to sit there and, and know that my church family right there all had their hands on me praying for the salvation of my children and my family and it wasn't some empty thing you knew that was happening so on this journey whether you're walking on flat ground or you're or you're climbing the mountains don't forget that you need some other soldiers beside you and and just because somebody looks big and strong don't mean that they're big and strong I heard talks a lot about us. You know, we're in special forces training, right? So where I was stationed at in San Diego, I was stationed at the amphibious base in, uh, in Coronado. Just so happens that that's where they do the Navy SEAL training and the, the BUDS classes there. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, They have Hell Week, right? And it's just, it's one of the most intense uh, special forces training regimens out of all of, The military. Now, every branch of service, you know, they say, well, mine's tougher than yours, and, you know, all that stuff. I don't ever get in them games. I just, every time a Marine says that, I give them a box of crayons. (laughs) So I can say that in love. My favorite color is (laughs) red. But what's fascinating, and this has statistically been proven. Guys that show up there, you'll have these guys, they come up there, they're just an absolute athlete. Adonis. Chiseled. In their home life prior to coming out here, they've been the, they've been the alpha in every single sport that they played. State champions, division ones, all that stuff. And so all they've ever done, their whole life is win. Everything they've done is win, 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 win. And you know that those guys are the are statistically the first ones to ring the bell and quit? Yeah. Why is that? Persevere. Yeah, They've never had to struggle, not one time. And they're so used to getting what they want or winning that when the adversity comes, they don't know what to do. The ones that actually end up being the most successful are the smaller guys or the guys that don't, that a uh, guy, guys that would walk, that could walk in this room right now, and you would look at them and never even think that, oh, that guy's in the military, unless he didn't have his sleeves up, right? Maybe because he's got tattoos. But there's something about that, right? I've even tended to look at my own, my own self as a, as a man of God, as a Christian, like, well, I, I, I I'm, just du- I'm just a dude. I'm just a dude. He asked me this morning, he's like, well, Hey, what do you want me to introduce you? I'm like, I'm just a dude, man. Just say that. And that's fine. <laughs> right? But my unique experiences through my life, God has used that to define, to refine me and be able to use me for his purposes. And my friend, God's doing that for you right now. You're having that kind of impact even on me. Right? So it's important that we invest in and commit to not only our relationship with Christ and being guided by the Holy Spirit, but our relationships with one another. Yeah. You matter. Yeah. Okay? So a couple of scriptures to uh, pack that in there. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. It's valuable to have one another together. That's a verse that Ron shared with me a while back in in a special message to me. And I I remember feeling so grateful that another man of God would think that way about me to, to share that with me and look at me in that way. Proverbs 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I would rather have one Faithful, devoted follower of Christ by my side, than the megachurch monoliths of people that are running around. Okay, I've, I've said this. Some of you may have even heard me say this multiple times. I will, I will go into any battle, any fray, whatever's coming, if Victoria Sabo right by my side, and I mean that. I don't, it could be combat, even. I'll go, if she's beside me, I have the utmost confidence that she's got my back, I got her back, and we can even stand back to back and fight off all the enemies and whatever's coming our way. Mm -hmm. How do I know that? Because we've already done it already. (laughs) Right? So it ain't necessarily about the, the number. Like, look at our little church here. We're not some big conglomerate organization. But man, those of you that were here Wednesday night, tell me you didn't walk out here with your chest puffed up. Not in pride. But you were filled up. And you felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Thank you, God. Amen. All right? And finally, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one, so one man sharpens another. We need each other. And that sometimes that means us not just being in presence, but having hard conversations. Right? I've had, Ron, Ron's had plenty of hard conversations with me. My wife has had plenty of hard conversations with me. So, brothers that are married, don't think that your wife can't have a hard conversation with you. <laughs> right? Because she knows you better than anybody. D.L. Moody wrote a book called, I think it's Moody. Um, it's the. The Overcoming Life. My grandmother sent that book to me uh, before she passed away. I was in Hawaii. And at the time, I was going through my struggles with alcohol. Okay, so this little box comes. It's got these little books in it. And I open it up, and I'm looking through there. And there's, you know, little some little cheap little trinkets, things in there for my my kids. And there's books in there for Victoria. These are books that she insisted we selected from her collection. Um, So I opened, and actually, I opened up the book. When it opened up, it actually opened up to the page where he speaks about alcohol addiction. There's little notes in there. Because she always writes in her books. She writes in her Bible you know, prayers, dates, and, and names. I got mad and slammed the book back down in the box because I knew I was going to have to read it. So when I finally got the courage up to read it, I'm reading through the introduction, and one of the things that Moody says, I thought was that, that just hit me like a, a ton of bricks right in the face. He said, if I want to know how, how faithful a man is in his Christian walk, or how committed he is in his Christian walk. I'm not going to go ask his pastor. I'm not going to go ask the other parishioners within his church. I want to speak to his wife and his children, because his wife and his children will tell me who he really is. Now, why that impacted me so much? Because I was not living a life that was the exemplary of a Christ follower, and if you would have asked my wife and kids, they'd have told you who I really was. That was a wake-up call for me. And Victoria lovingly counseled, prayed over me, prayed for me, anointed me when I was sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Tons of times. I'd wake up and be like, what the? <laughs> or one of the houses we were moving out of, I was clean, we were cleaning the walls. We were cleaning everything. And I, so we're going this in-depth cleaning, you know. We got the, what do you call it, magic erasers, uh-huh. right? Because I didn't want to paint. I'm looking around, I started looking around, I'm like, what the? I was like, you know, honey... Looks like there's little crosses. There's a cross over that door frame. There's a cross on that. There's a cross. Where, was this, what, what was going on? She's like, oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> she can walk around in the name of Jesus. Right? Praise God. Right? That's how important we are to one another. So yes, walk with Christ. Walk with one another. So, in closing, principle number one. Principle one or none. Number one, we need to prepare. Principle number two, we need to train. Principle number three, hang on for your life. And principle number four, we need to to value our relationships with, with Christ and our fellow travelers. So I want you to think about what do you do with this. You know what what God say to you today. What does he want you to take away and and do with this moving forward? Okay? Thank you so much for um, coming today and sharing with me today. Thank you for your encouragement, those of you that prayed multiple times for me. Thank you for your patience, you sitting there. And uh, I'll turn it over to Matthew now for uh, closing out the rest of the service.